to be praised from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. How many of you all are glad to be in the service one more time? We see people are still coming in. We thank God for them. If you're joining us this evening uh, on our Zoom congregation, on Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, or on the telephone, welcome to St. Paul Online. Uh, we're certainly delighted our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this evening. Do me this favor if you're watching us on Facebook, share to your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to ensure that we stay in the same chat stream. And you can tag those you want to invite within this post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and text this link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room, on our church website, click on the invite button and share this experience with others. Also, I would love to know where you're watching us. And so wherever you're watching us, for those that can just put in your city and state, we would certainly love to have you to be acknowledged as far as this space is concerned. Amen. Amen. I don't know about anybody else, but it's been a wonderful week of revival. And so Reverend Bernie is going to come. He's going to lead us on the last night of our March Gladness 2022. So would you put your hands together and follow his lead in worship? Come on, you can do better than that. Stand all over your feet. Can we celebrate God this evening? Come on, can we worship God this evening? The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. And we've come to give God glory this evening. We've come to celebrate him on our last night of uh, our March gladness. Come on, come on. Put your hands together. Let's worship the Lord. Whatever you're feeling right now, just get rid of it. Allow the spirit of the Lord to come to your heart. 
to come into your mind to come into this place. But we've come to give him glory. It's because of who he is that we're not consumed. Amen. Join them with our choir as they bless us in song with Lift Him Up. scripture this evening is coming out of Hebrews, the first chapter. Hebrews, the first chapter. And we're going to pick up at verse 1. Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1. And it reads, God, who at various times, in various ways, 
spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heirs of all things through whom he has made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than day for to which of the angels did he ever say you are my son Today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborns into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, Who makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and have hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands the word of god for the people of god let us go to the lord in prayer gracious father we thank you today we thank you for allowing us to be in this place father we thank you lord for how you have carried us how you have blessed us how you are afforded us the opportunity god to be here this evening lord just to worship you Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for how you've been with us all week long. We thank you, Father, for how you blessed us to wake us up this morning, started us on our way, God, carried us all throughout the day, and, Lord, you brought us here right now, God. And so, Lord, that for that, we just want to say thank you, God. Thank you, God, for being a God of grace. Thank you for being a God of mercy. Thank you for being a God of peace. Oh, Lord, we can't help but just to say thank you right now, God. Oh, God, when we look back over our life and realize, God, where your brother's from, we can't help, Lord, but to just say, thank you, God. Oh, Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, God. God, that you will endow your spirit upon us, God. God, that you will bless us, God. God, that you will come on in this place. Come into our hearts this evening, God. Come into our minds this evening, God. Come into this sanctuary this evening, God. And Lord, have your way, God. Do what you need to do, God. Let your spirit move, God. From heart to heart, from breast to breast. Oh, Lord, just shake us up. Mold us, God. Do what you do best, God. And God, we've been so ever careful to give your name to praise and glory. Loose us, God, from whatever may have us bound, God, that we may truly worship you, God. For you are God alone, and beside you there is none other. We thank you. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand of praise?
Come on, can we give the Lord? We ain't come to panicate this evening. We come to truly worship the Lord. Give the Lord a hand of praise as you take your seats.
Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise that he so richly and rightfully deserved. Oh, we could do a whole lot better than that. This is the last night of revival. And we have been blessed beyond measure. Amen. I want to say good evening to all of you who have joined us on our various platforms, as well as those that are in the house to March Gladness 2022. It is certainly a blessed privilege. We have been blessed beyond measure all week long. How many of you all have been here every night? Let me see your hands. Amen. How many of you all have been here two nights? Let me see your hands. Amen. For how many of you all is this your first night? Let me see your hands. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for all of those that are in this space. We take wonderful, wonderful delight that you have joined us online as well as in the house. And um, we have been blessed beyond measure on uh, Tuesday night. Bishop Rudolph McKissick blessed us with the word live. One word. Amen. Live. And then last night, Dr. Cynthia Hale, in her own imitable way, talked about peace. And I'm looking forward to seeing what our preacher for tonight is going to share with us. But before we do that, I just want to take this opportunity to thank our medical team, our first impression ministry, our ushers. Uh, let's give God praise for them. Now, I need to reiterate, need to reiterate that we are still have we still have protocols here. And the ushers and the deacons and the medical team are my extension into the congregation. So whatever they tell you to do, do it. Because they are acting on my behalf. And we have gone over this and through this for the last nine, ten months of trying to keep you safe and secure as far as this space is concerned. So um, uh, continue to follow their instructions. It would be greatly greatly appreciated. They have been doing a wonderful job uh, ever since we've come back into the sanctuary. I also just want to thank our music ministry for incredible music all night long. And let's give God praise for our adult praise team ensemble tonight, as well as our musicians for the wonderful job they have been doing under the leadership of the maestro. Amen. Uh, David Scott Gibson. Let's give God praise for them. And certainly, I just want to thank uh, our ministers here who have been providing leadership as far as uh, the pulpit is concerned. And tonight, we have Reverend Bernie, uh, and thank God for him being in, in the space. Just want to remind you of a couple of things. Just want to remind you of a couple of things that starting in April, we're going to be uh, changing our seating capacity. We're going to be moving three feet instead of six feet. We're going to be spacing three feet so we can have more people that can be seated. Then the other thing that we're going to be doing also is to remind you that the fourth Sunday, the fourth Sunday of April is our church's 122nd anniversary. Amen. Amen. Our church's 122nd anniversary. And it is as in normal fashion, we usually would like to receive a special offering. So I want to start uh, giving lift to that right now that uh, we want to give at least a dollar for every year that the Lord has allowed for the St. Paul Church to be in existence, uh, particularly from our adults. Uh, that's going to be your sacrificial offering that we're going to ask of you. Our guest preacher for that day will be my 
doctoral classmate, the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson, the pastor of the Grace Baptist Church in Mount Vernon, New York, and he's also the chair of the Congress of National Black Churches, where all the eight uh, preeminent uh, African-American um, denominations uh, come together, and he gives leadership to that gathering. And so uh, we're looking forward to having him in person. He did it last year online, but we're looking forward to having him in person as far as that's concerned. But listen, it is offering time. Let's give God praise for the wonderful opportunity to give. Amen. Uh, let me try that one more time. It's offering time. Let me, let's give God praise for the wonderful opportunity to give. And here, here at St. Paul, there are many ways that you can uh, give. And, and tonight I'm going to be giving a special offering uh, of $100 as far as our March Gladness revival is concerned. But there are several ways that you can give. First way you give is you decide to drop off your um, check or, or money order. Uh, mail it rather, check money order to the church, mail it to 14, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. If you decide to drop off your check, cash, money order here at the church, call the church office at 704-334-5309. Make sure someone is here to receive your offering so we can put it in the safe for uh, the following week's count. The other way you can give is through our online, uh, through Vimeo, uh, through Church Life or ACS. Uh, you can also give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give as far as St. Paul is concerned. Search for St. Paul Baptist Church and connect. So if you have a physical offering in the church tonight, if you have a physical offering, in just a few moments, there will be a, uh, there's a basket on the, the empty row in front of you. And you can place your offering in the basket that is closest to you. You don't have to touch it. Just place it in there and our account team and ushers will receive your offering. So I want you to do me a favor. However you want to give tonight, whether it is a physical offering or digital, I want you to place your offering in your right hand because as I got it from this gentleman right here, we want to give God what's right not what's left. Amen. I got that from him several years ago. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you as far as the work of the kingdom is concerned. Now, God, as we prepare to give, we want you to take these gifts of ours, bless them in a Godful way so that your word, your witness, and your work can go forward and you will get the glory, the honor, and the praise. So, Lord, show yourself strong and mighty even in this moment, and we'll bless your name for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you would, go ahead, and uh, if you have a physical offering, just place it in the basket that is in front of you. Uh, you can give as far as that manner is concerned, and we thank God for you. Sisters and brothers, it is preaching time. Amen. It is preaching time. And what a, what a preacher we have in the house tonight. He has preached for us before, I believe. He was with us right before the pandemic hit back in 2019. And he is back with us uh, this evening for our March Gladness 2022 revival. He did Thankful Thursday before. He's now doing March Gladness right now. He is none other than the Reverend Dr. F. Bruce Williams. F. Bruce Williams, uh, who is the senior pastor 
of the Bates Memorial Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. God has allowed for him to serve that church in an amazing, in an amazing way. And uh, through his ministry, the Lord has allowed for him to serve what is called the Smoketown area, one of the poorest counties in Jefferson County. And with the ministry that he has been engaging and leading that church, they've had impact as far as that space is concerned. Uh, in 2004, he built under his leadership a multi-million dollar worship facility uh, that allowed for them to reach more people for the sake of the kingdom. He is what I call a preacher's preacher. He is uh, well sought after across the width and breadth of this country. So I'm delighted and elated that he is able to fit us into his busy schedule. He is a graduate. He is a graduate of FAMU. Um, he earned his Master of Divinity from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he earned a Doctor of Ministry degree from United Theological Seminary. And so I had heard of him when I first went to St. Louis. And finally had the wonderful opportunity to connect with him. And you would have thought we have been knowing each other for years. And uh, he is a person that I love to sit at his feet and sense what the Lord is doing as far as the preaching moment is concerned. He is married to uh, Lady Michelle and is the um, daughter, I mean, is the father of two daughters, Imani and Nyla. And so I want to present to some and introduce to others um, our preacher for tonight, none other than the Reverend Dr. F. Bruce Williams. And trust me, if this is your first time hearing him, you won't ever forget him after he finishes tonight. If you have heard him before, you sit with tiptoe anticipation on what the Lord is going to do with him. So for those that are watching us online and those that are in the house, pray for him, pray with him that the Lord will use him in a mighty and magnificent way on this evening. Let's give God praise as our choir sings.
I can tell all my
shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make her boast. The Lord, the humble, shall hear of and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For the Lord is good, is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Somebody ought to give God praise for being God, for being good in our midst. What a wonderful God we serve. Hallelujah. We honor God. We praise God. God is worthy of praise from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Our God is worthy of the praise. Good evening. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time, and especially on the tail end of this pandemic. It has special meaning to be able to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And uh, I, for one, do not take this privilege for granted. Uh, you know, when 
before the pandemic came, people just kind of came when they wanted. Uh, and now that uh, we could not come, uh, people were begging to come. And uh, sometimes you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. Uh, but we're grateful to God to be back here. Would you do me a favor and give God praise for your pastor, my friend and first lady? Amen. It's your pastor. I'm just, y'all ought to give God praise for your pastor. It's your pastor. He's my friend, but it's your pastor. Amen. That's right. Amen. The Bible says that he is worthy of double honor. Uh, and so you do not do too much to give God praise for your pastor. And so he's a good friend of mine. I really appreciate how he has rolled out red carpet of hospitality again and made me feel welcome again and for all the others who have supported the effort uh, to make me feel at home and to facilitate what it was necessary for me to be here I thank God for all of you um, and um, so I thank God for you uh, I'm uh, grateful to be here I uh, am in another doctoral program and a PhD program and we're at the end of classes and getting ready to go to uh, uh, comprehensive exams and uh, it's just funny I'm 62 years old and I know when I leave here I got homework and that, that just sounds kind of funny for me to be in another PhD in a, in a PhD program but I'm grateful to God for how it stretches and grows me and uh, I don't know how long I'll live I may live another two days or another 20 years but I want to do my best to keep growing so that I can give my best to the God who messed around and gave God's best to me by giving his son. Amen. And so uh, I'm grateful to God. I thank God for all the positive comments your pastor said. He's so, he's so nice. He's so nice. He's so, he's so nice. And the reason why he can be so profuse with praise is because he's a gifted preacher and pastor and pulpiteer himself and just a good man. And so I appreciate our friendship. Uh, thank you, choir, for just ushering us in to the very presence of God. Amen. Indeed, our God is the one who has the victory, and he wins over and over again. I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and he ain't lost a fight yet. And uh, I know it looked bad for him one Friday, but you got to let all the days come in. If you let the days come in, it ain't over till God says it's over. Amen. Anybody glad that it's God that has the last word and not circumstances or situations it's God who has the last word and somebody came all the way here tonight and that was your word tonight it's God that has the last word whatever's going on in your life that's negative and all the things that the enemy is using to make you think that it's over as long as you've got breath in your body and there's a God on the throne you still got options amen so I'm grateful for a God who has uh, the last word. And finally, I'm just grateful to be a part of the revival. Uh, I know that you all take revival seriously, and I'm here to make my contribution to this revival effort. Uh, this is something that you are doing to enhance yourself spiritually, uh, to stir and stimulate yourselves and your gifts uh, so that you could be a better servant uh, in the kingdom of God and servant in and through St. Paul, and uh, it's, it's a sin as well as a shame to 
be a part of a congregation and soak up everything and produce nothing. Uh, and uh, so uh, you're here because you want to not only receive, not only be blessed, but you want to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. And uh, um, we need to remember that to be a Christian does not just involve inspiration, but it involves perspiration. And that means there's something you should do. Amen. We're not saved by works, but the Bible takes us, tells us that we are saved to do good works. And so I know that's why you're here and those who are watching online. God bless you as well. We thank God for this virtual vehicle. Uh, but I like to remind people that the vehicle is virtual, but the worship is real. And uh, God is in this place tonight. And God is where they are online as well because uh, God is everywhere. Uh, and so I am looking for even greater blessings tonight. I've already been blessed by in, being in the atmosphere and in the midst of this praise. And so I hope to pray, thank a, a better person back to Louisville that I brought here as well. Um, let me just say this too, kind of off the record. Your pastor is a, is a good host. And one of the reasons why he's a good host is he knows all the good places to eat. <laughs> and so I'm going to go ahead and confess this now so I can, so I can keep my anointing uh, for the preaching. But I'm looking forward to eating afterwards, because I don't know where we're going, but if we go somewhere, I, where he, if he takes me to a place he took me on the way here, uh, I'm going to bring a better and a bigger person back to Louisville. Uh, so, so I appreciate uh, his hospitality. Y'all ready for the word tonight? Uh, amen. I'm, I'm ready to share it. And, and for those who are watching from Bates Memorial, thank you uh, for praying for me and for watching and praying as I prepare to preach uh, as well. Let's go to God in prayer in preparation for the word. Lord, you've done it again. You, you're good. New mercies you've given us for this day. Mercies that are new. Not yesterday's mercies, but mercies that have been cut specifically to fit the contours and specificities of this situation. For that, we thank you, God. We thank you for this moment, this moment that we've never seen before when it is past we will never see it again this moment this moment yesterday's a cancel check tomorrow's not even a promissory note the only redeemable time we have is right now so for that god we give you thanks we give you praise we thank you for your son our savior without whom we will not have eternal life thank you for jesus lord now god as we prepare for the preaching moment we confess today that you we can do nothing until you come Bless your people. Make fellow the ground of the souls of your people. That the seed of truth might find depth. That a relationship might be established between some soul and the Savior. Then Lord, help me, your preacher. Breathe on my words and make them thine. Rescue me from me. Fill me and empty me at your will. Love me and do whatever you want with me. You can be reckless without my permission. Hide me behind Calvary's cross. Make my preaching so thin in human wisdom that only the shadow of the cross can be seen beneath. Take your glory, but Master, please give us the blessings we pray. We ask it all in the name of the pre-existing, incarnate, crucified, resurrected, ascended, and soon coming King's name we pray. All the people of God said together, Amen. 
I dare you to put your hands together one more time for our God. Our God is worthy to be praised. Amen. If, uh, if you would, I want to invite your attention to a very familiar passage of scripture for Bible readers in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. I want to lift up and line up for our consideration the first 10 verses of that passage, I believe, and I want to see what the Spirit has to say to the church tonight regarding this pericope, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Greek Masoretic Text. If you found it, say amen. Beginning with verse 1, it reads like this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Such is the reading of God's word. And with the help of the Holy Spirit in your prayers, I want to talk to you from this simple theme, a church that makes a difference. A church that makes a difference. If you're sitting near someone, look at them and tell them you ought to make a difference. You ought to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at your other neighbor. If you got another neighbor, look at them. Look them right at them. Don't look at me. Look at them and tell them we ought to make a difference. Tell them we ought to make a difference. If you believe that, go ahead and give God praise right now. A church that makes a difference. And I would that you would flank me with your prayers. The passage of scripture that we have lifted from this text is the pericope uh, from a scene, setting, and scenario from the first century New Testament church. It is a church that has already been empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit according to the promise of Christ. You know, it just one chapter prior, the 120 of them were in an upper room waiting on the promise. Power of the Holy Spirit lit on them like cloven tongues of fire, and they began to praise God in this upper room. But they went public with their praise. They left the seats and went to the streets, went from personal to public praise, and began to praise God in tongues that they had not been trained in. And the people who had come from the four corners of the known world for Pentecost heard the praises of God in their own tongue. And the Bible says that somebody said these people are drunk. And Peter said, no, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see vision. Old men shall dream dreams. 
And so the church has been empowered by the Lord to do the work. That's important, my brothers and sisters, because what I love about God is God never gives you work without giving you power to do the work. And the truth of the matter is we can't do God's work without God's help. And he promised to give them the power to do what it is that he had called the church to do. And it is in chapter 1, verse 8 of the book of Acts where he says, And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that text is tailored to teach us, that is Acts 1 and 8, one of the main reasons we have been given power. The Holy Spirit has descended upon us, not simply so that we could have an unimpeded encounter with the Holy Ghost and have an ecstatic and emotive experience. There's nothing wrong with that. No one likes to shout and celebrate more than I. But we have not been simply given power so that we could shout. We've been given power so that we could serve. For that same text says you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses in concentric circles of evangelistic influence in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the power of God has been given to the church so that the church could serve. So it's not simply so that we could have church. It's so that we could leave here and be the church. You see, one of the things that is most important for us to recognize is that God didn't save us just so we could go to heaven. If that were the case, he'd have took us when he saved us. But he saved us not only so that we could go to heaven, but he saved us so that we can not just enjoy the world, but so that we can influence and impact the world we're in. I know the Bible says we ought to be in the world, but not of the world. But the Bible is clear that we have to touch it without being tarnished and infiltrate it and influence it without being infected. God has left us in the world to make a difference in the world. And it's something seriously wrong when a church is on the corner and the corner remains the same. The church should always influence the place where it's been. It should always change the corner and the lives on the corner where the church is. God has not left us in the world so that we could come weekly to come before the four walls of a sanctuary and safely sing sweet hour of prayer that's called us from a world of care. But God has called us, empowered us, so that we can leave here and make an impact in the world in which we live. It is important, my brothers and sisters, to recognize that God has not gifted us simply so that we could be a church that is inwardly focused. Now, it is true that the Bible makes it crystal clear and clear that we are using our gifts to empower the body of Christ. But we are not simply to be an inwardly focused church because any church that is solely inwardly focused is in danger of becoming nothing more than a social club of the Christian elite. God has not called us to be a club. God has called us to be a church, the called out ones. I remember some time ago when the church where I pastor now, years ago, began to grow. We were in another facility and it was packed. There were people literally lining the walls. On several occasions, people called 
uh, the authorities, called the fire department on us because we were breaking rules of having people standing up in that building. There were so many people. I was enthralled by the growth that had taken place because the only way I could explain it is it had to be the Lord. But one of the things, one hap- what happened one Sunday is somebody came to us because it was so many people there. One of the members came to me and said, Pastor, we have enough members. And I said, excuse me. He said, it's so crowded. Look how many people are in here. We have enough members. And I said, this is not a club. This is the church. We're not trying to get maximum membership in a club and then cut off membership to other people. Uh, We are a church and we are the church of Jesus Christ. And if we are the church of Jesus Christ, then our job is not finished until Jesus comes or every soul is saved and not until then. Talk to me, somebody. It's dangerous when you have that club mentality. Because when you have a club mentality, when you say it's my church, that's what you really mean. You really mean it's my church. And people who have a my church mentality have a my seat mentality. And people who have a my seat mentality have a my ministry mentality. Y'all not saying nothing in here. And, when, and even pastors can be guilty of this when we think, when we say it's my church. We will be careful when we say it's my church. Pastor, I've been at installation services when a new pastor is installed and they talk about the marriage between the pastor and the church. And I say, man, ain't nothing biblical about a marriage between a pastor and the church because the Bible makes it clear that the pastor is not married to the church. The church already has a groom. Jesus is the groom. The pastor is not the groom. The pastor is the best man. And the best man's job is to make sure that the bride stays faithful until the groom returns. So the church does not belong to us. The church does not belong to you. The church belongs to the one who died, went in the grave, got up, is sitting on the right hand of the father and is coming back one day. So the next time somebody comes to sit in your seat, move over and let them sit there because it really ain't your church it belongs to Jesus Christ it's important that we recognize that we have been saved not to sit but saved to serve there are a whole lot of members who are suffering from spiritual obesity they come and sit and soak up everything Every week they soak it all up and they're gaining spiritual weight. And the reason why they're gaining weight is because they're not exercising. (laughs) You ain't burning no spiritual calories because after the benediction, all you do is go home and wait to the next meal. But the devil is a lie. Between Sundays, somebody ought to be doing something on behalf of the kingdom of God. And in our text today, what we have is we have a church that has left its comfort zone and now is engaging the world around it. And it gauges the world in such a way that it has made a noticeable impact in the area where it is. And the Bible tells us that this happened as a consequence of one day, two people, Peter and John, symbolizing the church, were on their way to the temple to pray. That's the way the Bible says they were on their way. Peter and John were on their way together going up to the temple to pray. 
I think it was the third, sixth, ninth hour that they were going to pray. Since the Jewish day started at 6 a.m. and ended at 6 p.m., uh, there were three designated times of prayer, the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour. And the Bible says they were going at the ninth hour, which was three in the afternoon. So these two men were on their way together up to the temple to pray. Now, you got to excuse me. I don't like to read too fast because when you read too fast, you miss too much. And so notice that the text says Peter and John went up together. Somebody together. Yeah, that captures my attention. And the reason why it captures my attention that they were going up together is because Peter and John are so different from one another. Read the Bible. If you look at the background and bio data of Peter and John, you will see that they are not much alike at all. Peter is older and John is younger. Peter is a doer and John is a dreamer. Peter is bold, impetuous, and daring, and John is introverted and, uh, and, 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 and speculative. John is one way, and Peter is another. But in spite of their differences, the Bible says they went up together. And the reason why they were together in spite of their differences is because their differences were on the circumference while Jesus was at the center. In other words, they shared a central center, the same center. And when your differences are on the circumference and Jesus is at the center of your life, as you grow closer to Jesus, it automatically grows you closer to one another. I wish I had somebody in here. He specializes in bringing people together who ordinarily would not be together. You ought to check some of the people who were his disciples. The Bible says there was one who was a zealot. And the other was a tax collector, uh-huh. Matthew. And they were both followers of Jesus. Yes, well, y'all not saying that. Maybe you don't understand the relationship between a zealot and a tax collector. A tax collector was someone who wrote work for the Roman IRS. So you need to understand that the Jewish people were living under the oppressive heel of the Roman Empire. And they collected taxes from the oppressed people who were the Israelites. Which means that the Jewish people were forced to pay taxes to their oppressor. And Matthew being a Jew means that he was collecting taxes from his people to give to their oppressors. So he worked for the Roman IRS. He collected taxes for the oppressor. Zealots were people who were zealous for Israel's freedom. And so they could not stand anyone who worked for the powers that be, the oppressors. In fact, they were so committed to being liberated that they would have uh, knives under their robes. And they would go through crowds. And when they saw politicians or anybody who was partial to the powers that be, they would secretly and surreptitiously slide it out. And they would cut them and then put it back under the robe and watch them bleed to death. This was the person who was a follower of Jesus, a zealot who hated the oppressors and anyone who was working with them, and a tax collector who worked for their oppressors. Both of them were disciples of Jesus Christ. Somebody will get this in a minute. Only Jesus can bring together people who are so different from one another. The Bible says they went up together. Somebody say together. And notice that the text says that they went up. Somebody say up. They went up together. And when the Bible says they went up together, they were really going up to the temple. Because to go to church was to go up. Because the temple was up. Somebody say up. 
it was up on Mount Zion. So wherever you left to go to church, you always going up to the temple to meet the Lord. Uh, and watch this though. This is not only geographically true, but it was intended to be psychographically true as well. That is that whenever you go toward God, you're always going up. And whenever you're going away from God, y'all ain't saying nothing. You're going down. That, that, that's why when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, Jonah said, I ain't going. And the Bible says he went in the opposite direction. And if you could read it in the original language, he went down to Joppa and got a boat. And then he stepped down on the boat. And then he went down below. And he laid down to go to sleep. And the Bible says a storm came and they found out he was a problem. So they threw him down in the water. But a fish came and swallowed him down in his belly. And took him down to the bottom of the sea. When he was going away from the will of God, he was going down down, down, down. And I want to suggest to you that I don't care what you drive. I don't care if you have a six-figure income. I don't care if you wear the latest in brand name clothes. If you got a Brooks Brothers suit and a, a BMW. I don't care who you are or what your job is and how good you look. If you are walking away from God, you are going down, 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 down. But the Bible says that when Jonah repented of his sins, his direction came. He said, Lord, I'm sorry. And the Bible says that the fish took him from the bottom of the sea and took him up to the shore and spit him up on the shore with seaweed all over him. And he went up to do the will of God because whenever you're going toward God, you're going up. And whenever you're going away from God, you're going down. And I don't care who I am or what I've got. If I ain't going towards God, I ain't going nowhere. Somebody say up. Everything about God is up. Mount Zion is up. Mount Ararat was up. The Ten Commandments was up on Mount Sinai. And when they killed Jesus, they did it up on a cross. And the Bible says they put him down in a tomb. But early Sunday morning, he got from the grave and caught a cloud and went up. And now he sits up on the right hand of the Father. And when he comes back again, we will be caught to meet him in the air. Everything about God is up. The Bible says they went together up to the temple to pray. And I believe that one of the reasons why they were together is because of what they were going to do. They were going to pray. And it's trite but true that the church that prays together stays together. You said it, I didn't. They they prayed themselves together. And that's what you ought to do when there's strife in relationships. Whether it's a marriage or a ministry, you ought to pray. And if you're serious about praying, God has a way of bringing people together. The Bible says they went up to the temple at the ninth hour to pray. And captured my attention that these men were going to pray because they were good Jews and good Jews prayed three times a day. And so they went the third, sixth, ninth hour and they prayed. That's what they did. Three times a day they prayed. And it captured my attention because they're simply engaged 
in the routine, mundane, daily discipline of just praying three times a day. Nothing particularly astounding or miraculous about it. It's pretty ordinary, pretty routine to just stop and pray three times a day. The reason why I captured my attention is because just one chapter prior, they were fresh from a Pentecostal experience. They had just had an unimpeded encounter with the creator of the universe. And one chapter later, they are simply engaged in the mundane routine discipline of praying three times a day. Nothing exciting about it, but they were just praying three times a day. And the reason why I'm leaning on this point so hard is because you can't follow Jesus if in order to do it, you need a steady diet of miracles. Because most of your life is not going to be Pentecost. Most of your life is going to require that to follow Jesus, you have to have the discipline and loyalty and allegiance to engage in the practices that the Bible says are beneficial to your spiritual growth. One of them is prayer. Another is service. Others are forgiveness. Others are simplicity. Those are the things that don't make the front page. But in order for you to live the victorious life, you cannot base your faith on feelings. You can't trust feelings because feelings change too quick. You can feel one thing one moment and another thing the next. In fact, the Bible never teaches you to walk by feeling. The Bible says walk by faith and not by sight. And can I tell you why it's important for you to discipline yourself, to engage in the disciplines on a regular basis? It's because things may be going well now, but just keep on living. Life has a way of happening to you. And when the crisis comes, it's too late to try to develop a close relationship with God. You should have been developing a close relationship with God all the time. And if you know what to do when the weather is fair, if you're doing what you're supposed to do when everything is fine, when all hell breaks loose and the bottom falls out, you don't panic. You just do what you've always been doing. Come on, talk to me, somebody. You ain't got to figure out what to do. You go to God. Just like you've always gone. So the Bible says they were just going to the church, uh, up to the temple uh, uh, to pray. They were going up together to pray. So I could see them to church on their way. Meanwhile, somebody said meanwhile. I want to see if you was paying attention. Meanwhile, the scriptural spotlight shifts and shines from Peter and John to somebody else who was on their way to the temple as well. But they're not on their way to the temple to pray. They're on their way to the temple to beg. We don't even know his name. We only know his condition and his position. He's a lame man by the gate called beautiful. That's all we know. He's a lame man by the gate begging. That's all we know. And we do know that he was lame from birth. 
which means that his condition was congenital, which means that he had always been lame. He had never had the use of his limbs. His limbs were always lifeless and therefore useless. He had never gone somewhere and come back uh, under his own power. He had never stood up under his own steam. He had always been lame. And the Bible says he was at the temple begging. Don't be so hard on the man for begging because back then they didn't have institutions for lame people. They didn't have a place where you can get something to subsist your, uh, give you subsistence on your income. They didn't have an institution that can give you, uh, train you some to do something to take care of yourself. The only thing that lame people could do was expect to make it off of the few coins flipped to them by benevolent passersby. So all they did was beg because that's all a lame person could do was beg. So there was the lame person who'd been lame all of his life. I wonder why he was born lame. I don't know why he was born lame. The Bible doesn't say. Sometimes people are born the way they are simply because of the mystery of life. There's some unfortunate things that happen to people and there is no earthly explanation. That's why grandmama says some things you'll understand better by and by. So some things happen and you can't trace it back. To anything or anyone. You just come into the world that way. So he was born lame. The Bible doesn't tell us why. It just tells us that he was born lame. So sometimes you're born because of the mystery of life. But sometimes you are born lame or born with some issue condition uh, because you're connected to someone. Some of y'all remember when the crack crisis happened there were crack babies being born everywhere the crack baby was born with uh, crack in the baby system the baby didn't didn't have crack in the system because the baby made the choice to ingest crack the baby had crack in the system because the baby was connected to someone who did there was an umbilical cord connected to the mother and because the mother decided to take crack because of the connection the baby suffered the consequences. And sometimes you suffer consequences because of your connections. Some things you, you have to deal with in your life, not because you did it, but because you happen to be connected to someone or someone's who did. Talk to me, somebody. And, and that's why you got to be careful, for example, who you put in office. Because sometimes you don't suffer because of what you do. You suffer because of the decisions that other people make and they say they make it on your behalf. And in fact, that's why you ought to choose your friends and don't let your friends choose you. Because sometimes you got to deal with something, not because you did it, but because you are connected to people you chose to be connected to. And I feel like I'm talking to somebody in here who's upset with God because God is trying to detach you from some people you're connected to. And you mad at God and don't even realize that God is trying to do you a favor. You made that choice for yourself. God didn't. And God is trying to disconnect you from some relationships that are messing up your walk with him and messing up your life because you think you can't live without them. The devil is a liar. What do you mean you can't live without them? You were living before them. I know you can live. Well, y'all don't want to say nothing in here. Sometimes it's who you're connected to. 
that causes consequences that you've got to live with. Sometimes people are born lame or sometimes they become lame because they're born into situations that causes the lameness, causes them to struggle because of what they're born into. And anybody of ebony hue, anybody whose skin has been kissed by nature's son, ought to know something about how having to struggle in circumstances that you didn't even create. Uh, I hope y'all understand that as wonderful as America thinks it is, America is still guilty of racism and white supremacy. And some of the trauma that people, black people have to deal with comes from the fact that we have to deal with micro and macro expressions of racism and white supremacy wherever we go. It's an ever-present reality. You didn't create it. You're just trying to negotiate a situation you didn't even create for yourself. Preach, Pastor Williams. I'm doing the best that I can. In fact, I'm in a community where they always are talking about people who are selling drugs. I don't believe you should sell drugs, but they need to understand that sometimes people sell drugs in their community not because they want to poison their community. They sell drugs in their community because they're trying to survive a situation that they didn't even create for themselves. Okay, I see I need to break this down like a fraction. Watch this. You notice that in many cities in our nation, there is a, there is a, there is a environment created for people, especially for people, for example, who are on public assistance. So if you live on public assistance and you have to be uh, someone living with your family on public assistance and you're struggling because it doesn't pay livable wages and you're just trying to make it, sometimes you're forced because of an environment you didn't create to resort to things you ordinarily do and so you sell drugs and then you get caught selling drugs. They arrest you and now you're in the system. So you do your time But when you come out, you can't go home because federal law says that if you're a felon, you can't benefit from federal dollars. So you did your time, you're back, but you can't go home. You don't have anywhere to go. So what you're going to do, you try to find somewhere to sleep on somebody's couch or somebody's somebody's floor or wherever you can sleep. And so you say, I got to take care of myself. So you go get a job. But when you go to get a job, you got to check that little box. That says that you're an ex-felon. Now, if you don't check it and get hired, as soon as they find out you didn't, they fire you. If you do check it, they're going to pass you over because of your past. So here you are, done time, trying to, in, trying to survive an environment you didn't create. You're out. You've done your time, but they keep treating you like you're a criminal. So you can't go home. You can't take care of yourself. So you don't like the arrangement. So you say, I'm going to change things. I'm going to vote people in office. Like but you can't vote because some people can't vote if they are a felon. So here you are. You've done your time because all All you were trying to do is survive an environment that you didn't create. But now that you're out, you can't go home, can't get a job, and can't change your situation. Gets what's about to happen. You're about to get desperate. And desperate people do desperate things. And so you're going to end up going back to the very thing you got. What I'm trying to tell you is you didn't create the environment. You're just trying to survive an environment that you didn't even create. Sometimes you're not born lame. You become Come lame and limited because of what you are born into. I don't know why he's lame. Bible just says he was born lame. But when I read the record, y'all got time for me to work this out. When I read the record, there is something impressive to me about this lame man. 
Look at what the text says about the lame man. He is lame. Somebody say lame. lame. There's no question he's lame. But watch what the Bible says about how he survives. The Bible says, first of all, he was carried. Somebody say carried. carried. The Bible says he was carried every day. Somebody say every day. The Bible says he was carried every day to the temple. Somebody say temple. And the Bible says he was carried every day to the temple to beg. Somebody say beg. And the Bible says he was begging from people who were on their way to the temple or on their way to the church. Somebody say church. So here was a man who was lame, but he's surviving. How is he surviving? He's lame, but he got a plan. You see, y'all was looking for something deep. What I like about the man is his legs didn't work, but his head did. And what I'm trying to tell you is if you would quit spending so much time complaining about what you don't have and focus on what you do have, what you can't do and focus on what you can do, God will give you a plan to survive. You want to start a business, but all you got is an idea. Banks don't give people money for ideas. They give people money who have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, ask God for a plan. Because if God has a plan for your life, I know God can give you a plan for your business. Preach, Pastor. I'm preaching better than you listen. He had a plan. Now watch, watch, watch the pieces that the passage talks about. First of all, the Bible says he was carried. Somebody say carried. So he was a lame man who related to people in such a way that they carried him where he wanted to go. That means this man knew how to relate to people in such a way that they responded to him in a positive way. And can I just get in some of y'all business and I may need some extra security for this. But I want you to know that one of the reasons why your life is the way it is and you can't get some things done that you want, is you don't know how to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right here talking about, but that's just the way I am. The devil is a liar. If you got Jesus in your life, he's trying to change the areas in your life that don't work in your favor. You got gifts and skills and talents, but you just don't know how to talk to people. He, He knew how to relate to people, and as a consequence, people carried him. Wherever he wanted to go. Wait a minute. I'm not even done. They carried him every day. <laughs> and I said it just like that. Every day. That, they carried that man every day where he wanted to go. Which means he not only related to them well, but he was persuasive in the way that he related to them. He convinced them to carry him to the temple. And one of the reasons why I think he convinced them to carry them is he really wanted to do something with his life. And it's not that difficult to help somebody do something with their life when you know they want to do something with their life. It's hard to help somebody who don't want to help themselves. Even God can't help a person that don't want to help themselves. And it's hard for you to want something more for somebody than they want for themselves. He wanted to do something. So he may have been lame, but they were inspired by the fact that in spite of his lameness, he wanted to do something. Text says they took him to the temple every day to beg. I like it. Now, watch this. Because he's strategic. Somebody say strategic. Come on, you said I could work this out. He, he's strategic because they didn't just take him to the temple. 
but they took him to the gate called Beautiful. And when you go to the temple, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that there were ten gates. Nine of them were gates gilded of gold and were of modest size, but the gate called Beautiful was not a gilded gold gate, but it was a huge gate. It took some 21 men to open it in the morning. It was not gilded with gold, but it was overlaid in fine Corinthian bronze shaped like a vine symbolizing Israel as God's vine in the world's vineyard. And because it was situated in the east, whenever the sun would rise and the sunlight would hit that fine Corinthian bronze, it would reflect like gold and glow with a scintillating beauty. It was through that huge gate that he was situated strategically because since it was the largest gate, most popular gate, it had the most people, which means it had the most prospects for what he was trying to accomplish. So he was strategic enough to be placed at the gate called Feudal where most people went. I'm not even done because he went to the gate called Beautiful and he went to beg from people who were going into the temple. I told you you read too fast, you read too fast, you miss too much. He didn't come for those who were coming out. He went to beg from those who were going in, which means that he was a good student of human behavior, especially church-going folk because he knew to beg from people who were on their way into church because he knew that church folk going on their way into church usually on their best behavior on their way in. It would have been difficult for them to say no to him and be in God's presence and so he wanted to catch them on the way in and y'all know we can be real holy for a couple of hours on the way in but you can't guarantee nothing after the benediction because people will come to church on the way in and they will praise God in unknown tongues and then cuss you out in the parking lot afterwards in known tongues y'all ain't saying nothing in here he was strategic the man had a plan and I respect the man who didn't sit around with his thumb in his mouth having a perpetual personal pity party feeling sorry for himself. He made a way as best he could to make a living. There he is. He's strategically placed right there at the gate called Beautiful, begging alms. And the Bible says it was a good day for him to be begging because the book says that Peter and John, the church, was on their way to the temple that day. Watch this, it gets good. Because the text says that while they were going, the Bible says he, they saw him. They saw him. They saw him. And when the Bible says they saw him, it doesn't simply mean they noticed him. It means they actually saw him. I mean, uh, sometimes when people in this predicament are in the place and they're there all the time, we kind of treat him like part of the scenery. We just pass them by. You know how you do when you see the person with the cardboard sign in their hand, they're begging, and you roll up the window and don't make eye contact because you don't want to be fooling with nobody on your way to church. <laughs> I don't want to say that. And so, uh, and, and so uh, the Bible says they saw him. That means when they saw him, it means that they saw him as someone who had value. Saw him as someone who has etched within him the eternal image of a triune God. They saw somebody of immeasurable worth to their creator. 
They saw him as somebody who was worth their time. So the Bible says they saw him. Now, here's what's interesting to me, Pastor, is this couldn't have been the first time they passed by him because they were in good Jewish men, and so they were always on their way to the temple to pray. It wasn't the first time he was there because he was known as the man by the gate. So he was there all the time. And so this was not the first time Peter and John had passed him. But this time it was different because this time they were different. I told you, this is just chapter three. Chapter two says they had a run-in with the creator of the universe. And listen, you can't have a run-in with God, leave the encounter, and treat people like part of the scenery. If, if you know God and claim you know God, it changes not just the way you relate to God, but it changes the way you relate to other people. How can you say you love a God whom you haven't seen and hate your brother and sister whom you see every day you're a liar and the truth is not in you it was different because they were different they're the church they saw him it gets gooder because he saw them come on you said I could take my time don't look at me like that they he saw them now that captured my attention as well because it's the biggest entrance with the most people And in the midst of the crowd, he saw them. Which means that there was something about them that made him notice them. Now, if you've ever been in a city like I am and there are people who are begging, people who have been begging for a long time have the capacity to look through a sea of faces and be able to discern from among the faces those people who might be sympathetic to their situation. So there was something about Peter and John that made him see them. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I want to live the kind of life that people can look at me and see something about me that reminds them about the Christ that I serve. The Bible says he saw them and he asked for money. He asked for arms. And the Bible says they stopped because that's what the church does. The Bible says they stopped And Peter and John looked at him and Peter said, look on us. Y'all are missing it. He said, look at us. And the Bible says, when he said, look at us, he expected something. Now that kind of talk, look on us, is dangerous talk. Because if you say, look at us as the church to people in need, you better be able to deliver on the attention you're getting ready to get. The Bible says he looked at them and he said, look on us, look at us. The Bible says he looked at them expecting something. Now, what do you think he expected? He expected what he's always expected. Now, there might be one little alteration. I bet you that since they stopped and took so much time with him, he probably put the little bag away and brought out the big bag because he figured anybody who's spending this much attention with me, I'm getting ready to get a windfall. And I'm a, I ain't got to work the rest of the day after I finish with these fellas. So here they are. They said, look on us. And the Bible says he expected something. And we know he expected what he always had. 
And their first response to his expectation is we don't have silver and gold. <laughs> he, he's there. They stop. He asks and they say, we don't have what you're asking for. So at that moment, he's disappointed in Peter and John. He's disappointed because they don't have what he's expecting. And I bet you there's somebody looking at me right now who's been talking to God and making a request since 2022 started. And God is not answering the way he used to about the things you've been used to asking him. God is not giving you what you're expecting. But you've got to read the rest of the story. He didn't get what he expected. And sometimes when you pray to God, you don't get what you expect. Because God always reserves the right to give you better than what you expect. So if you've been asking for the same thing in a new year and God ain't giving you what you've been asking for, maybe you need to do a holy dance. Maybe you need to shout because God is getting ready to blow somebody's mind because God is saying, I am tired of giving you the same old thing. I wish you would exercise some greater faith because I've got some greater things I want to do. And he's getting ready to whet somebody's appetite because he's going to mess around without your request and give you something greater than you've ever expected. Is there anybody in here who's ever got something from God and you didn't even ask for it? God just gave it to you because you his child. If, you, if that's you, go on and give God some praise. Sometimes God's got to disappoint you in order to bless you. He has to usher in the ministry of disappointment. He won't give you the one you want to be married to. And you all upset because you thought you found your boo or your bae. But God is saying, mm-mm, I, I'm your daddy. I got better for you than that. You deserve better than that. Preach, pastor. Silver and gold, we don't have. Peter says, we don't have silver and gold. We don't have it. We don't have silver and gold. Silver and gold, we don't have. But don't get it twisted. <laughs> don't think because we don't have what you Ask for that we don't have what you need. <laughs> Silver and gold, we don't have. But we're not distressed because we don't have what you're asking for. Because what you're asking for has its place. Money has its place. Money is the medium of exchange in the earth realm. You, you need money to survive. I mean, go to the grocery store, uh, fill up the bag, fill up the grocery chart. Go up to the counter, and when they ask for money, tell them Jesus paid it all and see what happens. <laughs> Try to walk out with all that stuff. You'll be in handcuffs with your safe self because money is important. Is it not important? Money's important. That's how you pay your bills. Come on, talk to me, somebody. That's how the ministry is, is supported because money has its place. But is there anybody in here who knows that money has its place, but it has its limitations? Because some things money can't buy. Come on, it can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. It can buy sex, but it can't buy love. It can buy company, but it can't buy companionship. It can buy a bed, but not a good night's sleep. 
It can buy a steak, but not the ability to digest it. It it can buy you a coat that can make you warm on the outside, but it can't buy the Holy Ghost that can make you hot on the inside. It can buy you a car, but it won't guarantee you'll go anywhere because there's some things that money can't buy. Silver and gold have I none. We are penniless, but we are powerful. And God save us from churches that are penny full, but they are powerless. We don't have what you're asking for, but we do have what you need. Watch this. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. They telling this man to do what he hadn't been able to do all of his life. They got the nerve to tell a lame man to get up. Now, it's important how they phrased it. They didn't just say get up. They said in the name. Of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up. And walk. (laughs) Y'all are missing it. They didn't just say walk. They said in his name. And the reason why they prefaced it that way. Is they wanted the lame man to know. Your life is getting ready to change. But don't get it twisted. We are not the source. Of what's about to change your life. We are just the messengers. We are doing what we're doing. Not in our own power. But in the name of somebody. Who is powerful than us. We're getting ready to reach over into another realm and get what you need to accomplish what you've never been able to accomplish before. And we're going to do it in the name of, can I break this down for somebody? They said in the name because they were not exercising power. They were exercising authority. Authority and power are not the same thing. Power is the ability to do something. Authority is the right to exercise the power. And you don't, I don't, we don't have the power to change the world. But we have the authority to tap into the power that will change the world. I've got bank accounts with my name on it. But my wife has access to it because her name is on it too. If you try to get money out of my account, it won't work for you. It won't work for you because we don't have a relationship. But when you've got a relationship with the one who has assets, they'll give you authority to access the assets. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And what I'm trying to tell you is they had the authority. Okay, let me do it like this. In the same book, in the book of Acts, y'all remember the seven sons of Siva? Anybody remember them? They're watching Paul cast demons out of people. And he did it over and over again with 100% success rate. And they said, well, shoot. We can do that. It's clear how Paul is doing it. He keeps saying in the name of Jesus. So we're going to do the same thing. So they open up their own business. They send out stuff on Twitter and Facebook. And, and, and they let people know, listen, if you've got demon-possessed cousins and uncles and aunts, and, just bring them to us. And we will read the text. It's in the text. And we will cast demons out of them. And the book says that they brought the demon-possessed to them. And they put on their best robes. And they stood over them. And they said, come out, demon, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the Bible says the demon spoke back and said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. But who are you? 
and the demons beat their clothes off, but you, cause you can't pimp the paraclete for personal gain. You can't use Jesus' name to make a name for yourself. Mama may have, and Papa may have, but God bless the child that's got their own relationship, because relationship gives you authority to access the power. In the name of Jesus. He said, rise up and walk. Wait, wait. And watch the text. The text says, they said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they didn't stand there and watch him try. The book says they reached their right hand down. And Acts is written by Luke, and Luke is a physician, and he's good about specificity. So he doesn't just say his hand, he said his right hand, which means the hand of authority. He, they, they reached their right hand down, watch this, to help a man that they pronounced over the capacity to do what he never had the power to do all of his life. And then they affirmed their belief in his capacity to do it in the name of Jesus by reaching down to pull him up to do what he'd never been able to do before. And that's the church at its best. It's not enough for us to tell people in the name of Jesus, this is possible in your life. But the reason why we live in community with one another is we need a church that will not only tell you you can do it, but will reach down and begin to pull until you're able to do what you couldn't do before. It's one thing to say we believe you can go to school, young person. But it's another thing to give them a scholarship because the scholarship is the right hand that pulls, help me preach in here, Holy Ghost, that helps pull them up to their feet. And sometimes it, you can't do it instantly. I'm almost finished. The text says instantly. Somebody say instantly. Immediately he got strength in his bones. Sometimes you got to pull a while. And people need churches who are willing to not give up on them after the first pull. And I don't know why it is that church folk give up on people so easy when God hadn't given up on you. What if God had treated you the way you treat people? Preach, pastor. The Bible says that he reached down and he started pulling him up with his right hand. And the book says that when he started pulling, the man started trying. It's almost as if the man was saying, well, if you believe in me, that much. The least I could do is try. And so he kept on pulling and the man kept on trying. And before you know it, he was standing on his feet. Y'all don't even know where to shout. Now God has given him power over what used to have power over him. What I'm trying to tell you is that I serve a God who's able. To give you power over what used to have power over you. Power over that insecurity. Power over that bad habit. Power over that addiction. Power over the wound that has you from doing the will of God. God is able uh, to give you power 
over the things that have you bound. Is there anybody in here tonight that if I pass the mic to you, you would testify that you're talking about me? The only reason I'm on my feet is not because I got a degree, not because I got a six-figure income, not because I'm so smart, smooth, or slick, but the reason why I'm on my feet is because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Bible says that the church pulled until the church and the power of God got him on his feet. Well, I'm about to take my seat. But before I take my seat, I got to ask you a question. What do you do when the Lord gives you power over what used to have power over you? What do you do when you can do what you could not do all of your life? Well, read the Bible. The text says once he got on his feet that he didn't run off home. He didn't run off to a crack house. He didn't run off to a club. He didn't run off to a bar to get drunk of a liquor and wine. But the book says he followed them into the church. It's almost as if he said, well, where do y'all go to church? Because if you go to a church that's able to put people on their feet, that's the church I want to go to. And what I like about the man is not only did he go to church, but watch how the Bible says he went to church. The Bible says he went in walking, leaping, and praising God. Y'all ain't with me, but I feel you coming in the room. The book says that he went into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Y'all missed it. I didn't say he got into the church. And they started singing, and he started leaping. I said before they even gave the call to worship, he went in walking, leaping, and praising God. And the reason why he went in walking, leaping, and praising God is because of what the Lord had done in his life. And that's why I can't ex- understand how folk can come to church and God has been so good to you that you can sit through the whole service with your arms folded and your legs crossed and praise leaders begging you to praise God if you got breath in your body, if you got food on your table, if you got clothes on your back, if you got fire in your soul, if you've got a vision in your mind, you ought to come in church without a Hammond organ. You ought to come in church without somebody preaching. You ought to come in church without somebody praying. You ought to already be up because the Lord has been real good. Ain't he been good? Hadn't he been good? Do you know him? Have you tried him? He'll make you leap. He'll make you run. He'll make you shout. Y'all got to excuse me, but I'm having flashbacks about what the Lord has done for me. And he's been so good that if you want to be cute, you can be bougie if you want. I got to bless his name. When I was sick, he healed me. When I was lost, he found me. When I was not worthy, he chose me, forgave me, healed me, filling me, using me, picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. Has he been good to you? Well, let's praise him together. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in 
the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psalter and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He's good. He's real good. And when the church makes a difference, not only will you shout because of what God has done for you, but you will shout for every former lame person whom God has given praise. For the Bible says that when they saw him come to church, they realized that he was the man, here it is, who used to. Uh, y'all, y'all been saved too long. He, he, the man who used to be lame sitting by the gate. He was shouting because he had a used to praise. Anybody in here used to be, but now you're, come on now. If Jesus is in your life, you ought to have a used to testimony the places I used to the things I used to say the folk I used to the the way I used to cuss y'all ain't saying nothing in here we have a used to testimony and the Bible says when they saw the man who used to be that they were filled with wonder and amazement God save me from saints who can only praise God for what God is doing for you Now you have reached a high level of spiritual maturity if you can praise God for what he's done for you. But you have reached a higher level of spiritual maturity when you can praise God for what God is doing in your neighbor's life. So why don't you give God praise not for what he's doing for you. Give God praise for all the used-to-be lame people who are now... Standing on their feet, all because of the power of the name of Jesus and all because of a church that makes a difference. Who is that word for tonight? Who was that word for if that word was for you, if it blessed you, can you just celebrate and give God praise right now? My God. And can we give God praise for this preacher, Dr. F. Bruce Williams? <laughs> the word for Tuesday night by Bishop McKissick was live. The word from last night with Dr. Cynthia Hale was peace. The word tonight is lift. Lift. That's what the church did. It lifted. It lifted him. My God, what a word. I I want to take this opportunity right now to introduce anyone that's watching us online or in the house to 
a God who lifts. And I know there are some folks in the house who could testify he lifted me. That's why that songwriter said, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me, now safe. And my love lifted me. He's a lifter. He's a lifter of your head. I want to have a brief transformative prayer with you tonight and if you'll repeat this prayer after me and all of us will say the prayer together because for all of us it's a reminder if we have a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ it's a reminder of that covenant reminder what God has done but if you're watching me online or if you're in the house and you pray this prayer and you mean it in your head and your heart your mind and your spirit I'm going to ask you to make a decision tonight for either Christ or church so if you would bow your head and repeat after me. God, I thank you for the Jesus Christ of Nazareth who can make a difference even now. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, Send your Holy Spirit into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Help me be the person you want me to be. Lift me from the lameness of my sins to the glory of your spirit. It's in the name of Jesus. I pray this prayer. Amen. Hear me and hear me well. If you prayed that prayer and you're sincere about that prayer, you meant that prayer, tonight salvation is yours. You're not saved because of your works. You're not saved by how much money you give to the church. You're not saved by how often you come to church. You are saved by faith because of the grace of God. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer tonight, salvation is yours. Salvation is yours. If you're watching us on Facebook or if you're watching us on Vimeo on our website, I want you to do me a favor right now. I want you to, if that prayer was meant for you, type in salvation in the chat box. Our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're watching us on YouTube or you're listening to us on the telephone, I want you to either email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number by 5 o'clock tomorrow. Somebody's going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're here in the church, you're here in the sanctuary right now, and you don't have a relationship with God through placing your faith in Jesus Christ, just do me this favor. Would you just hold up your hand right now? If you don't have a relationship with God... By placing your faith in Jesus Christ and you prayed that prayer and you meant it and you want that relationship, hold up your hand, 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 hold up your hand. Amen. Amen. Here is my second call tonight. That if you are watching us again on Facebook or if you're watching us on Vimeo, our church website, 
and you're saying, listen, pastor, I'm saved, but I don't have a church home. I would love to connect with St. Paul. Well, guess what? We would love to have you to roll and do life with us. I would love to be your pastor. These men and women online and in the house would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you don't have a church home right now, I want to give you the opportunity to connect with us. Watching us on Facebook or if you're watching us on our church website, you want to join our church, why don't you type in connect? Type in connect in chat box when our digital ministers are going to reach out to you. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the phone, call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number and someone will reach out to you or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Someone will reach out to you by 5 o'clock tomorrow and let you know what the next steps are. If you are here in the sanctuary, you've been bouncing around from place to place, you've really been trying to find out where you can connect, guess what? Tonight can be your night. Tonight can be your night. If you don't have a pastor, you don't have a church home, I would love to be your pastor. If you're seeking for a church home, would you hold up your hand tonight? If that's you, would you hold up your hand? If you're seeking for a church home tonight, would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Amen. We have done this command, and yet there's still room at the cross. You may take your seat. Can you give God praise? Can you give God praise? What a word tonight. What a revival this week. What a word tonight. What a revival this week. Listen, again, your pastor, I believe in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I believe in sowing and reaping. And what I want to do tonight for this moment, I want us to sow into the life of this preacher. For those that are watching us online, if you want to sow, you can go to our app or go to whatever giving mechanism you use. And you can place a special gift under offering, under offering. And that could be your the seed you sow tonight. If you're in the sanctuary, you want to give physically, you could do the same thing. Or if you're in the sanctuary, you could give online or using your smart device. And so I'm going to ask that one person will come over here. The other one will remain over there. If you have a, if the Lord blessed you and you felt that word was for you and you feel like you want to sow a seed tonight. I want you to just come down. We're not going to pass the basket, but just come down. Amen. Keep your mask on, but go ahead and come on down. Amen. And let's bless um, this particular moment as far as your giving is concerned. God bless you. 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 We have had a revival this week. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. We have, I don't know about anybody else, but I need it this week. Amen. I need it this week. 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 We have been blessed beyond measure as far as our revival is concerned. And thank you for those that have been watching us online. Thank you to our digital ministers for all you all have done. Our digital ministers, social uh, media influencers. I give you a major shout out because we could not have done what we've done online had it not been for you. So thank you. so very very much thank you so very very much last night of the revival i'm going to ask that we will stand and that we will 
be dismissed. God is to be praised. Live, peace, lift. Those are three words you can leave this week with. Live, peace, lift. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for the word that you shared tonight. And we thank you for all that have come through this week. Bishop McKissick, how he blessed us on that word dealing with live. And how Dr. Hale blessed us with the word about peace and telling us to rejoice. And how on tonight, Dr. F. Bruce Williams took us through Acts 3, 1 through 10 and showed us how the church can provide lift even for those who have never done what they thought they couldn't do. Now, God, as we leave from this place and space, but never from your presence nor your power, keep us in your sovereign care. And God, grant us traveling grace. And when we get to our homes, let us find safety and security, tranquility and peace. Then, God, empower us to do what you have for us to do the rest of this week. And as we gather on Sunday morning in virtual space or in the physical sanctuary, in this digital aspect of worship, meet us again. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And in his name, we claim it done. Let every heart that truly believe say amen. God bless you all. Please, if you will, just take a quick seat. Our uh, ushers are going to quickly escort you out. And uh, you can fellowship outside. Uh, and we thank you for everything that you all have done this week. God bless you.